everyone, it's Maria Recruit here from All Things Business, and guess where I am tonight? I'm actually on Clubhouse, and I have two wonderful guests who are going to be speaking about business in general. We're all long-time business people. Myself, I've been in business since 1982, so that's 39 years. I have Dolores Clark. Uh, who's been in business 40 years, and Eric Erickson, um, a fellow American, who has been in business for 30 years. So I'm, we're going to be doing kind of like a round robin about what is going on in the world of real estate and business and what changes we're all seeing because I know myself being in business 39 years, I certainly have seen a lot of changes in the business world. So I'm going to go ladies first. We're going to be doing kind of like a, a round robin with everyone, okay? And this is going to be... Um, produced and put on my podcast, All Things uh, Real Estate with Maria Recruit, and it'll be on um, my radio show on myradio.rocks.com, so be sure to listen to it. And I'm sure Dolores and Eric will be sharing this um, production with any of their friends and all their social media followers. So Dolores, ladies first, tell us, tell us what you find has changed with you. And just tell us, first of all, where you're from. Thanks. Thank you, Maria. First of all, I have actually been in business since the 70s. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit longer than 40 years. I am located in Carrollton, Georgia, mm -hmm. which is about 45 miles west of Atlanta. I have my broker's license. I work with a company that's locally owned. We were at one time a franchise with Remax, but now we're just an independent boutique sort of real estate company. Mm -hmm. The changes I've seen have been many through real estate. I started out when there was no such thing as cell phones. We had no faxes. We had yeah. we always we had no lock boxes, any of those things that we have now available to make your job so much easier. It was really interesting. I could probably show everything there was to show in the whole county in a half a day when I first got into real estate. It has. It has. And, and you're right about that. There were no fax machines, no emails, no nothing. And we did have computers, but it was only because you were typing on them, right? So it was a little bit better than just, at least you could see it on the screen when you were typing. Because I remember when I was working in an office in 1982, um, you know, that's what I was using. But before that, I was using an electric typewriter and those big clunky ones that they would have in school. <laughs> You know, right. we certainly have come a long way. I mean, you're right about that. I mean, think about all the changes. I mean, all the technological changes, which I feel has really helped businesses a lot. Don't you agree? Absolutely. <laughs> in, in fact, sometimes I wonder how we ever got along without some of the things we have today. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Thanks. Now we'll just go to Eric. We'll be, we'll be doing a round robin, so I'll be back. Don't worry. So, Eric, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and what kind of business you're in, please. Yeah. So, uh, Eric Erickson. I'm, I'm originally from New York City. I've had uh, I've lived around all around the nation, but uh, currently reside in the uh, Phoenix metro area in Arizona. Nice. And uh, yeah, basically for uh, about thirty years, I've been helping individuals 
to monetize their ideas. And I've also been helping a lot of businesses to uh, utilize the resources that they currently have available to them to make more money. Okay, so what methodology do you use for that, Eric? Uh, a lot of it is uh, is based on research and analysis. You know, a lot of a lot of people they the the, the typical stereotypical person who has an idea gets super emotional about their idea, and then they go straight to uh, pouring money into marketing, thinking that's how they're going to make their idea work. I like the side on. Uh, on doing the research and the analysis, the brand management, making sure that their product is marketable, scalable, and it can make them money. So before they start spending a bunch of money and and, and going directly towards uh, towards marketing and trying to sell their product, I like to do all the due diligence and the research beforehand to save them some headache and pain. For sure. And when you're just starting out, it's funny when people think you're, they're just starting out, they'll make a million dollars or or they'll be able to sustain themselves when they're just starting out. There's no way a business can sustain you. You know, it takes many years before a business can sustain you. And I think well, that's... Yeah, you know, and, yeah, and things have changed a lot, Maria. You know, I'm yeah. thinking, I go back, you know, go back, going back 30 years, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, you were you were selling your products and services in your in your local town, community, city. Yeah. And now, now you're, you're competing worldwide with everybody else. I agree. I know. <laughs> that's, that can be scary for some people. And I don't think they really understand the magnitude of it. And um, so it's, it's all, I find this very intriguing and I love, I embrace technology. I mean, it's hard for me to understand it at times. So I need coaches to help me along, you know, because I couldn't be doing half of what I'm doing now if it wasn't for people saying, well, this is what you do, Maria. You know, you want a radio show, this is how you do it, this is how you do a podcast. So I've learned all this within a year. I mean, it's unbelievable because I didn't even know how to produce a podcast. I had no idea. Like, I mean, who even thought about that? And YouTube, I I had a a YouTube channel from years ago for my cottage rental because I do short and long-term rentals. And then I thought, well, now now I have time on my hands. How about me doing um, YouTube videos for the real estate investors that are really having a hard time, you know, with tenants not paying? So it became almost like like I started to do courses for the people, you know, for real estate agents, not agents, uh, investors that I never even thought about before. I was too busy with my business. So it's, it's really fascinating what's happened even from... 2020 to 2021. It's been a year that, you know, we've had COVID. So Dolores, tell me, uh, what is your favorite social media um, strategy that you're using to get people to know about your business? Because that would interest anyone, really. Well, before, recently, I had used my Facebook business page, Mm -hmm. but in the last month, I believe Clubhouse is going to be my favorite media. I agree. I agree. You can reach so many more people, can't you? Look at this. It's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I bumped into you just a couple days ago on Clubhouse. Oh, yeah. That's I know. Right. Yeah, I was asking for some advice. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and you came in and said, well, thank you, Maria, for being so courageous and saying you didn't know anything. I said, well, I don't. I'll ask. And then, I said, and then you said, well, I'll join you. I said, good. Come on. You know, and let's touch base on Facebook. And then we've kind of taken it from there. And, and I reached out to you on Twitter, actually. You know? Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I love it. And I'm, I'm seeing that more and more in rooms that I'm, you know, visiting. I'm seeing people connect and yeah, and, and my business referrals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a great, it's a great platform. I, I truly am so thankful that I found it. Me too. Me too. Very very much so. I'm having a lot of fun. You know, because uh, I thought, you know what? When I got on the platform about a month and a half ago, I thought, oh my god, this is a perpetual radio show. <laughs> And, you know, I need material, right? You always, if you're a content creator like I am, you need material all the time. And it just can't be me. That's boring, right? I'm bored even by myself. So I'm always looking for interesting um, uh, guests to come on my shows, whether that be the TV, whether it be my podcast, whether it be my radio. You know, I need that. I need input from other people and showcase other people. That's what the, you know, that's what it's all about. That's, that's what makes it fun in business. So I'm glad you made it to, to come tonight. So Eric, tell me, what's your favorite, what are you, where are you finding most of your leads are coming for your business from now? I would say it's actually LinkedIn. Okay. It's been a power, very powerful source for me, and it's, it's come in a variety of ways. Uh, one is uh, finding other uh, social influencers and making... Uh, good, sound, thoughtful comments on their posts. Mm -hmm. uh, that is one way. Another way is uh, I have gotten into uh, these things called posting parties mm -hmm. where you'll get like 13, 15, sometimes even 20 people. And what you'll do is uh, share a po you'll put your post on LinkedIn. You'll put the link and share that link with the other people that are on your chat Mm -hmm. you're together and they will all comment and LinkedIn the way the algorithm works is if you can get 15 people to comment and, and and do some type of a like on your post within an hour and a half it actually opens up the LinkedIn floodgates mm -hmm. and I have had gosh tens of thousands of people viewing my post oh my. when I do that oh my so how a does secret sauce for you? Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm interested. Of how, how, where do you find out about the posting parties? Then how does that work? Um, you know, it, you just you just have to I, you have to just find who's doing them. Mm -hmm. I know a couple of people, and I can connect you with with, uh, with a couple of people. Um, okay. One is uh, I know the Happy Neighborhood Group does some things. Okay. Um, also, um, a gal by the name of, of Gabriella. Um, she's over in Southern California. She she does them as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'd be happy to to, to yeah. be connected with with some of those so you can you can do that. I'd love to network with more people because I I find it for myself. Um, the best thing for me right now is Facebook. Like when I started with uh, social media in 2012, it was uh, Twitter that I really enjoyed. I really got a lot of, uh, you know, a, a lot of people that I got to know over there. And then I decided to go into Facebook. When they, you know, when I started to go on Facebook was about, 
four and a half years ago. Like I've been on Facebook since 2012, but I only had business pages. But when they opened it up to groups, that's when I could see the potential. So I started many groups like uh, Canadian Real Estate Investors Association Group and the Niagara Association, you know, Niagara Landlords Association Groups, etc. And that's where has been my sphere of influence on Facebook is not my business pages as much as my group pages. So just a little bit of secret sauce for you. It takes years to build that up. Like I remember I was posting for two years steady all my in my groups and I got barely anyone joining or if they did I was I was really happy but once I reached that magical number of 2,000 people that joined and started posting that's when it blew up for me that's when it blew up and um, also I find that um, one person has, knows somebody else and they say well you should be joining this you can post what you want over here you know and and that's when it's just started to blow up. I have over 6,000 people in there, which, you know, by some standards isn't very much, but I have a thousand people waiting to get on. I haven't been able to get to them. So I have a number of groups that are like that, that are grow, and the, most of the growth, I don't know if, the, if you notice this, Dolores or Eric, most of the growth has happened since the beginning of the coronavirus in March of 2020. Have you seen a significant increase, Dolores? Absolutely, and you're right. Groups do make a difference. I noticed that in my own um, Facebook social page. Mm -hmm. I now go to my groups more than I do to just the, you know, the social part of it. Yeah. I'm yes. a Toastmaster, so I always go to the Toastmaster groups mm -hmm. when, I'm, when I'm scrolling through. I'm a member of several book clubs that are online. So I do visit the groups, and then there's a real estate group that I'm you know, particularly interested in that I mm -hmm. that I visit more than I do just scrolling through the social part of it. Yeah. So yeah. I do see what you mean, and I'd like to say, Eric, this is very interesting. That what you just mentioned about posting on Instagram, I mean on um, LinkedIn, that's a prime example to me of what we're learning through Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. How we yes. are getting all this information that we would have never known about if we had not connected with folks like Eric and like you, Maria. Yeah. That's a wonderful thing about this. I agree. And then there's so many groups you can join on Clubhouse that, you know, even if you're not interested in something, if you want to know more about marketing or sales, they have actual groups that are talking about this. So you can get tips from all of them. Yeah, I'm really excited by Clubhouse. And and actually, Eric and Dolores, I was, I, by accident, I went on a group on Wednesday and actually the founders of Clubhouse were there talking about the app and asking questions and wanting to get feedback. And so that I found that really interesting and, and really warmed me up to this, this whole idea of this app. I loved it. I loved it. And so what about you, Eric? Do you want to add anything more to, uh, so you're saying LinkedIn is pretty much where your sphere of influence is at this time? Yeah, LinkedIn's a lot. LinkedIn's quite a bit. Um, I'll tell you something that's that's uh, kind of funny to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been on, I've been using Clubhouse for maybe I wouldn't say quite two months, maybe more so forty five days. Okay. But I've actually built my Instagram followers just by using Clubhouse. Oh, I love that. How did you do that? Secret sauce again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's uh, someone else taught this to me, and okay. they just said, you know, you just go into a room. 
and you start following everybody. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. And then, and then they'll follow you back, and then of course you have your Instagram posted on on your uh, on your clubhouse por uh, portfolio mm -hmm. or your profile, mm -hmm. and so yeah, people just come and. I think a large part of it is having a really good profile page right on on your on your clubhouse. It's, what's great is you can really add as much information as you want. Yes. You know, emojis are really becoming super popular, so people like to see those type of things on, on your on your profile page. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'll give you a little a little little secret that I have noticed as well. If you all haven't noticed this already, is uh, when you go on the clubhouse, you can see all of the all the various chats that are going on. Typically, you see the greatest, like the large ones, right? Mm -hmm. The thousand, two thousand, oh, five thousand. Oh yeah! God ones. bless them. <laughs> oh my gosh! I tell you, it's so crazy. But yeah. you know, if you you scroll to the bottom, uh -huh. there's a button that says Explore. Okay. And once you press that Explore button, then you scroll down some more. Oh wow! And you keep scrolling all the way to the bottom until you find the the groups that have these. That they have these, you know, two, three, five, ten people on, uh -huh. yeah. and I have found uh, just some great value in joining those smaller groups because those smaller groups will almost always allow you to talk. Sure. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's how you build credibility, right? Exactly. And that's also how you build relationships, like all of us are doing right now, right? Uh, because with the big groups, I mean, it's wonderful to be part of a big group, but I mean, uh, most of the time I do speak up once in a while, but most of the time I'm just listening to learn, because before they even accept you, I may even raise my hand, but they may not always accept me, which is fine, I have no problem with that, but I like the little groups, because they have more time for, for questions, and I'm here to learn. And that's where I met Dolores in one of them, where they were telling us how to use a clubhouse. <laughs> you know, and I thought this is great, and you could ask all the questions. And yeah, I mean, the smaller groups are are really the place to get started. And that's why I decided to do my radio show rather because up the first couple of weeks I was doing real estate. If anybody was interested in just talking about real estate, and I had some people coming, but I'm getting more feedback from people who actually are going to be on my radio show, which is much more fun for them and much more fun for me. You know. <laughs> I'm on Facebook all the time talking about real estate. I'm, I'm tired of it, right? So this is great talking about business, you know, in general, which I love. So, so Dolores, tell us a little bit more about the, what's going on in real estate in your neck of the woods. Well, I'm sure it's like everybody everywhere else. Our inventory is low now. Mm -hmm. We struggle to get listings. And when we get them, we get multiple bids. Yeah. And the price goes up. Mm -hmm. Ends up property listed for a certain price, goes way above the listed price when it finally goes into contract. And that is just pretty prevalent, I think, all over. I'm hearing that anyway. Yes, it is. Well, can you kind of uh, tell us why you feel this is happening now? I think it is because the inventory is low. And, of course, interest rates are so low now that... Mm -hmm. You know, people are taking advantage of that. Mm -hmm. For sure. When I started in real estate, yeah. interest rates were 18%. Yeah. And when I started, it was 11% the first and 13% the second, and I bought a house. I was able to afford the house at that, so this is nothing, right? <laughs> right. Right. And, of course, I'm in a market where we are in a small town, so our, our uh, average price 
point is 179. Wow. And of course, you know, anything that's listed for that is, is very, you don't get very much for it, but the smaller price range, of course, uh, skews the, the average price point. We have houses now, though, that are selling mainly in the four, five, and six hundred range. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, that's a pretty pretty standard market for us now. And those houses, like I just got one under contract the other day that was listed for six thirty-five. It sold for the exact price. It was that exact asking price. So we are seeing a lot of cash sales too. That's mm -hmm. something that I didn't see a lot, you know, in real estate before. Even with the interest rates so low, mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of people pay cash. Wow. And who are these people that are paying cash? Well, they're mainly people who are what we call empty nesters, people that have, you know, their children are grown and gone and mm -hmm. they have the cash to put, to you know, to pay. So that's mainly who we're seeing. So they're baby boomers, basically. Right. And Okay. And are they... Are they going and paying cash or whatever else they're paying because they want to move away from the cities because of the coronavirus? We do have a lot of people locating um, out of the Atlanta area mm -hmm. into a smaller community. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing a lot of that. I'm also seeing a lot of people downsize. They're not buying the big McMansions like they used to. People are buying, who, even though they can afford it, they're buying smaller houses. I'm also seeing a trend of people buying houses that have home offices because mm -hmm. of the virus. So many people are working from home now. Yeah. Yes. The market has you know, trended toward homes with offices or a space for offices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we'll see what happens afterwards if, if there's going to be a trend back, going back to working in the offices in the future. Rather than just, you know, like I, I, I predict that's going to happen. I mean, this is what's happening in Canada, too, that people are moving out of the big cities like Toronto and moving out east, like Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, that they wouldn't have even thought of doing that years ago. Um, and uh, for whatever reason, they're pushing the prices up. In the area where I'm in, Niagara Falls area, uh, people have multiple offers, like they'll go $50,000 over asking. It's crazy. It's crazy. And some of them are hundred million dollar houses. Like the people are crazy, you know. I mean they're really going crazy yeah. when I look at but yeah, that's really crazy. So yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. I what I've seen and observed in the last last few months is you have companies, you have like large corporations are now are now saying, Well, we're never really gonna ask you to come back into the office mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. So these all these people who've been living in these in these large cities, Los Angeles, New York, uh, now they're saying, "Gosh, I don't have to live in the city anymore." And so they're all moving out. You know, the Cal the people in, in these large California areas, they're moving to to Idaho, Nevada, mm -hmm. Arizona, and uh, and that's that's what's really pushing up the prices. Uh, in, in those in those areas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And are you finding that is happening in your area also? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I actually live in a unincorporated um, area. And um, our prices um, from, I don't know, five, six years ago have actually tripled. Mm -hmm. So what people bought, bought Real estate, real estate for five, six years ago are now paying triple. Yeah, for sure, for sure. 
Well, you know what? You had the, the boom and the bust in 2008 in the States. And we're going to have a bust. I mean, this is a boom, but it's going to be a bust. I mean, it happened when I bought my first house in 1988. It was at the top of the market. I didn't even realize that because I was so new at buying, right? I was 32. I purchased my, oh, sorry, I was 36 when I purchased my first house. Oh, no, 38. And I didn't even know what it meant, uh, you know, multiple offers and all of that. But I bought it. I got it. I didn't overpay for it. And then after that, uh, 1989, it burst it bust right i didn't know anything because it didn't matter i was i was able to afford it myself to, to purchase that property and pay the mortgage but it was really like, like the prices dropped after that so do you foresee this happening now when we have a bust do you see the prices dropping again uh, i'm going to ask you first eric what do you what do you see happening yeah i think i think it has to and I, i'm a little bit of an geek and you know, right now, what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of money being a lot of money coming into the economy. Mm -hmm. um, and typically, what happens is when that, is when that happens, typically is followed by some type of hyperinflation. Yes, exactly. And, hyper, yeah. and so, and that and that obviously causes its own problems, right? So, mm -hmm. it's it really comes down to not. It's just, it's just not sustainable. No, it's really not. what it comes to. It. So yeah. we're, we've been creating, and I think this is happening all over the world, right? We're, mm -hmm. we're creating these new economic models, and we're trying to stretch the box, but yet the box can only stretch so far yeah. before, before it blows up the pieces. Yeah, yeah. That's why I don't want to ever overpay for my properties, and I will no, not go into multiple offers. Sorry, Dolores, but I won't do that, okay? So, so, Dolores, what do you feel? Do you feel uh, there's going to be a bust coming up uh, shortly, or what do you see? I agree with Eric. It's it's inevitable, and that's history for real mm -hmm. estate. Yeah, just repeats itself. We've we've seen it before, and we'll see it again. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't think it'll be quite as bad though as it was, you know, prior to 2008, because that so much of that problem was in the lending part of mm -hmm. it. The mortgage yeah. industry caused a lot of that. Yeah. I don't think we'll see quite, I don't think it'll be quite as bad, but I do, I agree with Eric, we're going to see it, it's inevitable, and these prices, these people who have paid, you know, way over asking price, overbid, they're going to get hurt. Yes, and they're going to have to wait 10, 10 years maybe for it to come back up, right, for them to be able to sell it if that's what they want to do. Like, I mean, the only way you're not going to lose with property, real estate, is not sell it. You know, if you've overpaid for it, then you have to wait for the market to catch up to you. That's what you that's have to right. do, right? If you sell it, many people have to because they've over leveraged. That's when you go into foreclosure. That's when you have problems. Otherwise, you wouldn't. Not if you buy at market value. You know, you know you've you've taken into consideration all your expenses, and so you're, a, you're as a smart investor, you know you can handle that. But if you're not a smart investor and just you're playing it like the stock market and and you're hedging your bets, well, you're going to lose. I mean, there's no way it's going to it's going to continue. It can't. I'm just going to read you something about this, and I wonder if you saw this in the news or not. Uh, this is the New York Post, and it was from January 16, 2021, but I know there was something just, I posted on my groups actually today, but I can't seem to find it, but it says Bill Gates is now the largest farmland owner in America. I'm just going to read a little bit of this, and I want your opinion on this. Bill Gates may no longer be the world's richest man, but he can claim a new title, America's Farmland King. 
the billionaire Microsoft co-founder has become the largest owner of farmland in the United States by quietly buying up massive plots across the country, a new, a new report says. Gates portfolio, wait a second, where am I? Gates portfolio comprises about 242,000 acres of farmland and nearly 27,000 acres of other land across 19 states. Think about that. According to the land report, a magazine for land investors that tracks the nation's biggest landowners. The biggest chunks of Gates holdings are in Louisiana and Arkansas, where he owns 69,071 acres and 47,927 acres, respectively, the outlet's research found. He also reportedly owns about 16,000 acres in his home state of Washington, including a 14,500-acre um, tract in the Horse Haven Hills region that was purchased for nearly $179 million. Listen to this. This is really interesting. That's why they, they, it took so, them so long to track it down. The land is owned both directly and indirectly by Cascade Investment, the Seattle area firm that Gates, the world's third largest man with a net worth of $132 billion, according to Bloomberg, set up to manage his massive fortune, according to the land report. What are your thoughts about this, Dolores? What do you think he's doing this for? What, what's he going to do? I guess he's I guess he knows that land is not going away. <laughs> he's a pretty smart guy, and he's investing in real estate, and he's investing in the right thing. Mm -hmm. I had not read that article, and mm -hmm. I had not. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that much. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Interesting, right? I mean, and I was shocked. I was shocked when I read this. I thought, what? Okay, so, okay, Eric. What do you think is going on, and what's your prediction about this? What's he doing this for? Yeah, so this, this comes strictly from the book of Eric Erickson, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think what you're seeing here, if you're looking, if you look, if you're looking at currency from a, a world perspective, mm -hmm. the, um, we're seeing the U.S. dollar uh, being devalued. Yes. Uh, where, you know, and so... Uh, what so? What better to do? You want to you want to put your money into something that has um, more stability over time. That's why you've seen a lot of people putting money into gold and silver. Um, land, land is another one of those commodities. What people really don't I don't I don't know. That some people would say see land as a commodity. Yeah. But I would say most people probably don't. Because, yeah. Right. I agree. All they just look at is nothing. Right. Yeah. But, exactly. Um, you know, uh, to to Dolores's point, land is land is there. Land is available. Land's not going away. It's not going to get swallowed up in the earth or anything like mm -hmm. that. So, yeah. uh, what a what a better what a better way to do that to, to get your to get your you know your 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 paper paper money out of out of the market. That's a really good thought. I never thought about that. But certainly land, you know, there's only so much land you have, first of all, right? And you can't, they can't make any more land. This is somebody, somebody here, John Locke is his name. This is a comment he put here. Let's see what you think about this. I see a lot of comments assuming that Gates is either a new order elite trying to control the world or that he is money-hungry baron putting a one over on the local farmers. It's hard to make assumptions based on partial information. Could Gates have made mutual beneficial arrangements with the local farmers as part of the purchase agreement? Maybe. Could it be that Gates is trying 
to secure the U.S. food supply in the event of massive farmer bankruptcies, possibly? Could Gates be trying to lower the cost of quality and sustainability producing food? Might be. It's hard to tell without more information, but the conclusion should not automatically be that his actions are nefarious. His, this country is becoming too soaked in paranoia. We need to step back and begin to, uh, to begin to have a little trust in each other again until proven otherwise. What do you think about that, Eric? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, again, I, I, I don't have any facts behind this, but just from experience, mm -hmm. you know, it, a lot of people, um, uh, there are a lot of, I wouldn't say economists, but there are a lot of people that are that theorize, uh, you know, about this, about this, this conspiracy of the new world order and, mm -hmm. and, and this emerging of this totalitarian, yeah, I know, movement, right, you yeah. know, it's, and so, but, you know, when, when you really, when you look at the way things are moving and uh, it's, it, you know, there, there is, uh, I guess there is some, you can see, you can pull some of the facts out of that and say, yeah, I could see this potentially happening. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just, I like to listen to uh, Robert, Robert Kiyosaki mm -hmm. yeah. uh, quite often. He yeah. tends to... Um, uh, talk to things that on a plain uh, level and very bluntly, as mm -hmm. a matter of fact. And, yeah. You know, and I, when you when you see people like him that are, are they're buying um, more real estate, they're they're getting into uh, more, uh, I would say, more hard currencies, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's uh, you know he's he's. A billionaire for a reason, right? So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes. He's hedged his... Well, he's going into very solid investments, land or real estate, right? Very solid investments. It'll never go away. It's not like currency. It's not like gold and silver that can go up and down, especially Bitcoin. <laughs> Nobody even knows what that... I don't know what that thing about it. I even attended groups that were talking about it but you know i couldn't wrap my head around how can something be making money or not making money when it doesn't have a product to sell you know what i'm saying like i'm pretty practical being a real estate investor <laughs> yeah and there's, there, yeah there's, there's a lot of theory behind that right and there's, yeah. and there's, a, there's a lot of modeling and stuff but yeah. uh yeah for sure for sure yeah interesting interesting times so well for myself I actually it was funny because i was watching a, a youtube channel and there was this one real estate investor from california that actually i was shocked when i heard this he said that what's happening in california is that uh, mark zuckerberg is going going to go in there as soon as the, the market drops right we, we foresee it happening mark uh, zuckerberg is going to go in there and buy these properties for pennies to the dollar, like this guy says, right? I've forgotten his name. John Williams, I think is his name. I don't remember exactly. I think it's John Williams. So he's going to buy them pennies to the dollar because people, uh, especially now with your, when you're overinflating. So if you're overinflating and you have a mortgage and then the mortgage rates are starting to go up and you're, you're just holding by the, you know, by your teeth, you know, being able to carry the mortgage payments because when you bought it, it was low. But, you know, who, nobody stops the government or the banks from raising the interest rates, which, which they're going to do in Canada, as a matter of fact. They've said that publicly, right? So that's going to make a big shift of change. The other thing that's going to happen, Dolores, and I think you'll, you'll appreciate this, is that they're thinking of actually taxing us for our principal residence. 
You know how it is when you sell your principal residence, you don't have to pay taxes on it. You only pay taxes on, you know, your investment properties. Well, now the government's thinking of changing that and will charge us taxes on our principal residence when we sell it, which will really cool off the market. We've had that come up before, too. Fortunately, oh. our National Association of Realtors has good lobbyists and, good. and we've been able to, to overcome that. Good, good. Keep lobbying, keep lobbying. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is true. What, what are your rates in Canada? Oh, you won't. One point, 1 1.25, 1 1.50. It's crazy. That is crazy because yeah. even here we're like 3% you know, now. It's gone up a little bit to about 3%. And... As long as it stays in single digits, that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I get a lot of my, um, when I purchase now, I get a private investors. And so they want more than the banks do. And if I can handle the mortgage payments of the private in investors, I can certainly afford bank rates that are really inexpensive compared to that, you know. And, and you know, like you were saying, when you start out at 18% or 19 like you were saying, and I started out at 11 or 13, these have been bonus years for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, we saw uh, a period of time where we went through so many foreclosures in our area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we may see that again, too. I don't think it's so much because of the rates or people can't afford their mortgage payments. I think loss of jobs. Yes. And they yes. just can't handle any payment. Yeah. We're, seeing, we're beginning to see some of that now, you know, with COVID. Yeah. We saw some people who got into some real financial difficulty. So we're seeing a little, I used to look at the local paper and I would see page after page after page of foreclosures. Wow. And then we, and then we came to a period of time where you just didn't see any at all. There might be one in there somewhere in mm -hmm. the paper in the classifieds. But I'm beginning to see them creep oh. back in there. Oh, you are, eh? Oh, you mm -hmm. are, eh? Okay, I haven't, mm -hmm. I haven't seen that, but I'm sure we will see it. And I'll tell you why. Um, I, I know that people will be over-leveraging, and they are over-leveraging, right? But the other thing, I don't know if this is happening in your neck of the woods or not, Dolores, but there's a lot of tenants that aren't paying rent, and they refuse okay. to pay rent. And these, That's for sure. Yeah. And they're protected now for June. I know. I know. So these poor landlords have had tenants living in there for free for a year or two. Can you imagine that? A year or two. And they can't make their payments on their yeah, properties. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I've been advocating. I, I've gotten in touch with LTB. I've sat down with them, the RTA, Residential Tenancy Act, the group and uh, Landlord and Tenant Board, which is, you know, is, a, is um, a governing body of anything that has to do with real estate with tenants and landlords. And we've, I explained to them, how do you expect a landlord to be able to afford to have someone living on the property and not paying anything for a year or two? I said, you can't do it. You know, economically, it's not sound. <laughs> That's not good business practices. <laughs> Let's face it, right? And you, know those, and you know those tenants aren't going to be able to catch up. So they're never oh. going to get their money. So the landlords are never going to get their money. Never, never. And not only that, it's not only they don't pay for the rent, they destroy the properties too. Like 20 Yeah, yeah. So like, like I teach a course, it's Landlords Boot Camp, where I tell them I, I, I help the landlords find the better tenants for them by questions they ask so they won't get caught up with bad tenants. 
you know, which which is really, really important. So just we're about ready to wrap up the show. So Dolores, any type of information you'd like to live, you know, leave our listeners with of how they can get in touch with you and, and what you specialize in your neck of the woods? Sure. I'm a residential broker mainly. That's mainly what I, I uh, work with, are, you know, people buying residential properties. I do very little commercial. Mm-hmm. I am located, as I say, in Carrollton, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I'm very close to Atlanta. We have a lot of people who move out of the Atlanta area into this little community. And I am with a company called Georgia West Realty. Fantastic. you want to give a phone number or an email where they can get in touch with you? Yes. My uh, phone number is, or my office number is 770-830-1100. Fantastic. Actually, maybe some people will get in touch with you because you might have some foreclosures coming up, right? <laughs> well, I hope they would get in touch with me for other reasons. <laughs> I don't like to work those foreclosures, but I do. I would. Of course. Of course. But I would help anybody, and I look forward to helping anybody. Thank you so much for My having pleasure. me on here. My pleasure. What a wonderful what a wonderful <laughs> evening I've had with you, Dolores. And Eric, can how can people get in touch with you, please? Yeah, so the best way to get in touch with me is uh, my website, uh, Business Attitudes. Dot com. Uh, the other the other other great way to get a hold of me is to text me. If you text hello to six zero two seven five five three zero two nine. That's six zero two seven five five three zero two nine. You'll actually get a link uh, to my calendar, nice. and you can set up some time to talk to me. Fantastic. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being my guests, Dolores and Eric, and please drop in another time and we'll continue your conversation about other things in business. But thank you very much again for joining me on All Things Business with Maria Recruit. And Dolores and Eric, I will be putting, for everyone who's listening, I will be putting all the details of how you can get in touch with Dolores or Eric. And this is Maria Recruit signing off, and thanks very much for being with me. Ciao for now. Bye-bye. Thank you, Maria. Nice to meet you, 